Hi, it's Casey. Who has a little anxiety? Thank you for tuning in to Shine On. We're going to fix your anxiety with a handbook from a therapist who has a long career in counseling. His name is Faust Ruggiero, and he's written the Fix Your Anxiety Handbook. Anxiety is not who you are. It's a condition you have. And Faust says, there's a way out, and this is the way. It's a two-step program. First, get your body in better shape and take a look at what's going on in your life. Try to be healthy. Get your body healthy. That's going to help you. But all these little telltale signs are right there. They're right in front of us. The the interesting thing that happens is that we adjust to it. So it becomes our norm. So we don't see it changing much. And we go into every day the same way. And we don't see that this is not where we want it to be. But if you just take a step back and say, okay, am I going too fast? Do I have too many things on my plate? Am I trying to get too many things done? Am I uh, getting very hard on myself? I'm not getting those things done. You you look at all those kinds of things because that's where anxiety lives. How do we start to decompress from that? Well, you know, the first thing, and it's a great question, the first thing that I tell people is before you start making changes, you want to be able to purge what's not working. When I get the person that comes in the office and says, hey, I've really got this anxiety going, and I say, fine, let's look at your diet, and it's horrendous, and it's got lots of caffeine in it and energy drinks and things like that, I say, well, that's going to really make it that much worse. Are you getting enough sleep? Typically, people with anxiety are not getting enough sleep. They either go to bed too late, they have intermittent times when they're waking up so REM sleep isn't good, so the sleep is bad to begin with. Then the diet comes in, and it's just, you know, all the wrong foods. They're probably not exercising. And then you got good old social media where they're plugging into everything that's intense and negative. First off the bat, we have to get our bodies healthy, and that will help our minds along the way, right? Absolutely. You know, if you look at the people that don't suffer much from anxiety, they're doing all these things. They're exercising. Their diets are good. They're they're usually people who exercise. And they're doing things, that self-care stuff we talk about. They're doing things to make their bodies more healthy. And sometimes the word exercise really just makes people so intimidated. So I like to say, just take a walk around the block. Yep, I always call it the E word. You know, they don't want to hear that. As soon as you say exercise, they're thinking about, they're quickly thinking about how uncomfortable they're going to feel. And that's not, that's the wrong way to look at it. It's like you say, you can start with the walk around the block. Start to do some things. As your body gets a little more healthy, it gets used to that, it either increase the pace or add something to it, but get to the point that it's a routine. The way the body works is it it, it adjusts to what we're doing. So if we're putting all the garbage in our system and not exercising and not sleeping well, it'll try to adjust. On the other hand, if we give it a a little shot in, in the arm, so to speak, and do all these things that are good, anxiety doesn't live well in a healthy body. When we say here, let's introduce this new thing into your life. We're, we're, we're actually talking about two things. We're talking about leaving the old and bringing in the new. Well, the old is there, and we established it as a comfort zone, so we don't want to leave it. And then the new is something completely foreign to us. We don't understand it. It's going to make us feel a little bit uncomfortable when we introduce it. And as a result, we say, oh, no way, I'm not going to do that. And you say we need to embrace that. And the key to doing that is not you don't embrace this big change. You embrace little steps along the way. It's what you're going to do is one little step. It might be that walk around the block. It might be, you know what? 
I have four or five cups of coffee in the morning, I'll have three. Do that for a month, and maybe next month I'll try to go down to two. It's slow changes. The keys are slow and consistent. Keep making slow changes, little steps consistently, and before you know it, six months, a year down the road, you look back and say, wow, I am a completely different person. Faust Ruggiero, the Fix Your Anxiety Handbook. I have a copy if you'd like me to send it to you. Reach out from the website caseysplace.com. We're brought to you by New York Ketamine Solutions, nyketamine.com. If you're coping with depression and nothing has worked, New York Ketamine Infusions would like to hear from you. They're accepting new patients suffering from depression, PTSD, anxiety, and other mood disorders. Ketamine works differently than traditional treatments, and they're the most experienced ketamine infusion center in the nation. New York Ketamine Infusions' physician-led team safely administers doses tailored for each patient and boasts an impressive 84% success rate. To learn more, visit nyketamine.com. Hi, it's Casey. Have you been on social media lately? Isn't it just crazy, all the experts out there? Oh my goodness, everybody is expert on the TikTok. Shamelessly. Like if you have 30 seconds, the TikTok can fix anything. Or reels or wherever you're getting those short little videos out on the interwebs. I actually did some and I took them down because I thought, This is embarrassing. The sea is overflowing with experts. No matter what ailment you have, there is a video out there that can fix it in 30 seconds. Enter Dr. Kenneth Red Cross, a concierge internal medicine specialist from Westchester. Dr. Red Cross, really? It is, you know, it's a Native American last name. My father is African American, Native American, small tribe in Maryland, the Monacan tribe. So yes, it is, it's interesting that it's a kind of a medicine man sort of, sort of name. And it's so funny, I'm the first doctor in my family, at least close family, and so I never thought about it until I got into med school and the teachers, I mean, the professors thought it was hilarious. I said, okay, I guess it makes sense. <laughs> Meant to be. Dr. Ken Red Cross is our guest And this is an interesting time to be a doctor because really, you know, we don't need you anymore, Doc. We can just go on to TikTok. (laughs) We go on the TikTok. We find out, you know, what the experts, air quotes, have to say. We stick garlic up our nose or do whatever whatever they tell us to do. Are you sure you don't need me, guys? Are you sure? Oh, my gosh. What? I mean, what does it feel like to be a doctor and to see these TikTok videos and Facebook and Instagram Uh. reels? They've taken over the world. You know, they really have. Look, it's still an amazing time. What it does for me, Casey, it lets me know that we, meaning the medical community, maybe needs to do a little bit of a better job making sure that you guys don't have to look at these TikTok crazes in order to get your health care and you could pick up the phone and call us to kind of to kind of help you do it right at least or at all yeah you know i've learned from uh social media experts that three things really catch people's eyes entertainment empowerment and education and these yep. tiktok videos they've captured all that so maybe i don't know like what you said the medical community needs to get on board right absolutely so i do tiktok videos here and there but it's really important to just educate. It's funny, Casey, you hit on a couple of things that I always talk about. I always talk about four things when I do my videos. Number one, that I hope you get better health care outcomes. Number two, that you feel like you have an advocate
it in me when you look at these videos and say, hey, Dr. Red Cross truly cares about me. And then the other thing is peace of mind. And then those others, two that you mentioned, education and empowerment. So it's funny you said that with these other TikTok videos. So I guess in a sense, I'm doing that with a couple of other things around it. Once again, to keep all of you out there listening healthy and whole. There is this wonderful challenge that I like for a couple of reasons. It's called the Hot Girl Walk Challenge. Um, I like it because this is a young lady who was quarantining, and she went out, she started to walk, and she focused on three important things that I think we all should focus on, being more grateful for life, setting some good life goals, and above all, reminding each and every one of us out there listening how hot we are. In other words, it was a little bit of self-love while she was walking. So I like the movement part of it, and I like that she's getting us out to exercise. But Casey, everyone is not kind of one-size-fits-all, right? I have older patients that if they're going to get on this walk, I need to be careful to make sure at least it's done safely. Do they have the right footwear? Are they ready to walk and how far? So these are the things that it may seem simple to say, well, Doc, what's the problem with the walking challenge? But here you recognize that each and every one of us, once again, gets back to the doc to figure out what fits you. Right. Do they have the uh, hot flash girl walk yet? I oh, could do they that don't. One. Yeah, that'll be ours. We'll come together on that one, Casey. I'll help you. I'll be your producer. All right. Uh, tell us where folks can get more information about you and all you do. Oh, absolutely. So my name is Dr. Ken Red Cross. So my website is the same at Dr. Ken Red Cross, and all the social media handles are at Dr. Ken Red Cross. And I really mean it, Casey. Please, everyone, reach out. I'd love to answer questions and meet new people. Tell us your credentials because they're impressive. Oh, absolutely. So I am a concierge physician, internal medicine physician, very fortunate and blessed to have trained in New York at Columbia Presbyterian many moons ago. And I'm able to have patients literally all over the world on the concierge side of things. And I do a lot of different media things that allow me to educate all of you just like we're doing today. Just wanted to introduce you to Dr. Ken Red Cross. If you're going to follow one expert on Instagram or TikTok, you might want to start with him. He's the real deal. And while we're talking about health, let's talk about new moms. Dr. Jennifer Wu is an obstetrician-gynecologist from New York City, and what she wants to bring our attention to today is postpartum depression. She urges us not to be quiet. If we suspect that someone we know and love may be suffering from a little bit more than the baby blues, talk to them or their family members, and even ask the family members to reach out to the doctor, because a good doctor will be looking for signs of postpartum depression. After delivery, almost every patient has a bout of the baby blues. And these are sometimes feelings of being overwhelmed, of being very tired. Patients will often cry in those first few days after the baby because they are so tired and things are really tough when you're trying to get the breastfeeding started and all of that. Usually the baby blues will get better over the course of two weeks. So it usually kind of peaks in the hospital the first few days at home and get better gradually. I see patients at two weeks after delivery, and usually by two weeks they tell me they're feeling much better, things are under control, they've found their routine. About 10% of patients, and this number can range anywhere from 8% all the way up to reported incidences up to 25% of patients will have postpartum depression. And this is a more severe form of the baby blues that lasts much longer. Patients will often 
women have a lot of crying, depression, they will withdraw from society, they have difficulty bonding, insomnia, hopelessness, and sometimes thoughts of harming themselves or the baby. And this is when we start to refer patients out to psychiatry because they need therapy, they may need medication, they need more intervention. The sooner that we catch it, the better. Oftentimes at two weeks, if patients are not feeling any better and in fact starting to feel worse, then we will refer them to psychiatry because that's an indication that it isn't going away like the baby blues should. When patients wait too long to tell us about symptoms or you know, they tell us everything's okay, we see them again at six weeks and if we let it go that long, patients usually are in a very bad state if they haven't sought any treatment for postpartum depression. It's very rare that patients will have postpartum psychosis. That is about one to two patients per thousand. It's very rare and patients may have hallucinations or delusions and they'll definitely need psychiatry, medication, sometimes inpatient hospitalization. Where does the baby blues come from? Is it just exhaustion or is it hormonal or is it chemical? What's going on? It's all of that. When you are exhausted and working on very little sleep, your emotions are right at the surface. That means anger, depression, all of that is right at the surface. The least little thing will set you off. But also you are having a massive change in hormones. The estrogen and progesterone levels are falling and so you will feel that shift in the hormones where you feel very irritable. You're not yourself, of course, and feeling just very shaky in terms of hormonal swings and mood swings. That's Dr. Jennifer Wu and Dr. Gladder and our friends at New York Ketamine Infusions remind us when traditional treatments for depression, postpartum depression, anxiety, and PTSD don't work, remember nyketamine.com. If you're coping with depression and nothing has worked, New York Ketamine Infusions would like to hear from you. They're accepting new patients suffering from depression, PTSD, anxiety, and other mood disorders. Ketamine works differently than traditional treatments, and they're the most experienced ketamine infusion center in the nation. New York Ketamine Infusions physician-led team safely administers doses tailored for each patient and boasts an impressive 84% success rate. To learn more, visit nyketamine.com. Hi, it's Casey, and I thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On, the health and happiness show. If you ever need more information about this and me, visit caseysplace.com, K-A-C-E-Y-S, place.com. When's the last time you had a little fun? Just off Broadway at New World Stages on West 50th Street. Check out Dracula, a comedy of terrors. Jokes and wordplay by the truckload. Broadway veteran Ellen Harvey plays Dr. Westfeld and Renfield and a few others. It's a gender swap comedy that even Dracula purists will love. And I love talking about Broadway with Ellen Harvey. Dracula, it's really fun. It's really high energy. And it's a laugh a minute, if not more. And the audience leaves feeling what? Joyous. And I've had friends who have come and said, this was the most perfect thing to go see. It was 90 minutes of forgetting my problems and laughing my behind off and just completely investing in the story and the people. And people just walked out being like, oh my gosh, I never knew that that could be so funny. And we're not playing it for shtick and we're not playing it for schmaltz. We are playing it very high melodrama camp at very high energy. And so both kids and adults like it. It's a very smart script. It's very, very smart. People are walking out just sort of thanking us for 
taking them away from their problems for 90 minutes and having a great time in midtown Manhattan. <laughs> and what's different about this Dracula? We, we really do stick very, very close to the original Bram Stoker script and the characters. But again, because we are doing some gender swap, I play men and one of our male plays women characters. But it's not about being in drag. It's about honoring the idea and the style of the show. It has some modern references in it. Gen Z will get it. It's just the way in which we present it, which is looking at it in a different perspective. If you remember the, the old black and white movies from the 30s and the 40s that you know the Frankenstein the creepy music the, all of that we honor that genre as well we honor the cinematic version of those movies that were so so wonderful families could sit around and watch them and be spooked so we, we do the we do the same kind of thing all right terrific and now back to Ellen Harvey what was <laughs> <laughs> what was your big break on Broadway well my I made my Broadway debut in Susan Stroman's the Music Man, uh, back in 2000. And I made my Broadway debut, I think, when I was like 30 or so. I'm probably dating myself here. But it was one of those things where, you know, a lot of people think, oh, they get out of college and they make their Broadway debuts and they did this. And I was the, I was the person who's like, no, actually, it took me a while. But also, it means for anybody, don't, don't lose that dream. If you feel like you come to New York and you're just out of school and you're working hard, you don't have to do it overnight. It can take a while, but it will happen for you with perseverance and with dedication and talent. So I'm very grateful to Susan Stroman for that. I also did her next Broadway show right after that, which was a, another show with Lincoln Center. But I think one of my absolute favorite experiences, of course, was getting to do How to Succeed in Business with Daniel Radcliffe. That was uh, one of the most highlights of my career, getting to work with that. That man is extraordinary and an incredible human being. And he's back on Broadway this season, and I cannot wait to see him. Uh, those are a couple highlights for me. Yeah. What is he doing now? He is going to be, he is starring in Merrily We Roll Along, which goes into previews next week. So I'm going to go see him in the show later this later this fall when on one of our nights off. We've stayed friendly. We don't text each other every day, but I've seen him in everything that he's done here in New York since then. And I always go back and say hello to him afterwards. How yeah. much fun is that? Yeah, it's wonderful. I mean, he's he is one of the most extraordinary people I have ever worked with and one of the hardest workers and someone who didn't have to work that hard because he made millions off of the Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't what it was about for him. It was about I'm going to do this and I'm going to and I'm going to work hard and he is a hard worker. So I have so much respect for him and such a lovely kind giving human being. So yeah. you said Music Man 2000 and the name Bierko comes to mind. Why am I That is what correct. Was his name? It was Craig, Craig Bierko. Craig. Craig Bierko and our dear, lovely, wonderful Rebecca Luker was our Marion. Mm -hmm. And um, and you it all was a, marched it out playing instruments at the end, and I jumped to my feet. Yes, we did. Oh my gosh, you remember? Yes, we did. And we all learned trombone. We had trombone class during rehearsal, so that we all learned how to play the trombone for that finale. <laughs> It, it lives, that finale lives in my heart. It lives in Yay! my heart. You just kept coming and coming and coming with all those trombones. Oh, my God. 
Ellen yes. Harvey. What role did you have? I had my own role. I was called Mrs. Mason, but I that was my first my first Broadway gig, and then I understudied three of the other principal women in the show, and so I went on for you, Laylee McKechnie Shin, quite a bit. I went on actually for Mrs. Peru. Um, I went on, so I had other understudy assignments. So it was a wonderful, wonderful experience, an incredible cast of people, and my my children who were my children in the show, you know, are adults in their own right. And my little boy at the time was Travis Wall, who is now a major, major choreographer for television and a Broadway and an incredible dancer. And I'm like, he was my child. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So I'm so proud of him. Yes. I love your life. Where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in a sort of split between California and in Sweden. I am a dual citizen and speak both languages. (laughs) I speak California and I speak Swedish. I have family in, in both places. And so I was very fortunate in that I was exposed to different cultures and different languages. So I sort of consider myself very, very lucky that I had supportive family and parents that also allowed me to continue to pursue what I enjoyed to do. And so now being here in New York, I can kind of fly six six hours one way or six hours the other and see my family. Wow. When did you know that, you know, you were a Broadway baby? Oh, my gosh. Um, Well, I, I, I sometimes joke and say, you know, there were two things I wanted to do when I grew up really, really badly. One was marine biology and the other was to be an actor. And then I realized there were actually less jobs for marine biologists, <laughs> which is still one of my biggest passions. My my parents were both professors and teachers and uh, were always very supportive of what I wanted to do. And I was always doing stuff since I was little. Everyone was very positive that, you know, I had the, I had the wherewithal and the strength and the fortitude to withstand a lot of rejection. I kept my wits about me, and I kept going and going and went to Boston University in their theater arts program, which was extraordinary, and then moved to New York after that. It's been a long... I've been doing this for a very long time, and I was just lucky to have incredible teachers and support and have just had the fortitude to continue even against a lot, a lot of rejection and a lot of downfalls. And you just sort of pick yourself up and go... Okay, if this is what you want to do, this is what you want to do. One of the big changes for me happened actually when I was working for Disney, and I did the national tour of High School Musical. And I've always sort of thought, you know, I'm I'm a comedian and I do my thing. But when at the end of that show, there were just tons of little kids at the edge of the, when we took bows, dancing in the aisles, and I thought, oh, the arts, the arts for children are so important. And it changed my whole perspective of the importance of getting children into both the arts, but also having them see it and participate and drawing and music. And I've always known it, but that to me was an absolute sheer, like, just realization. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, this is why I'm here. This is why I love doing what I do, is to see young faces in the audience looking up and realizing or experiencing or feeling or dreaming, whatever that might be. That to me is one of the most important things now. She has found her dream. Don't give up on yours. And go see Ellen Harvey in Dracula, a comedy of terrors. Go to DraculaComedy.com. It runs through early January. Spooky season is upon us. Go enjoy. And when the family comes into town for the holidays, go back and see it again.
And thank you for tuning in today. We had Faust Ruggiero with the Fix Your Anxiety Handbook. We had Dr. Ken Red Cross, who's an actual doctor that you can follow on social media. Dr. Jennifer Wu, an OBGYN, saying watch out for those baby blues. And finally, Broadway veteran actor Ellen Harvey. Today is a great day to schedule a little fun for yourself. Today is a great day to start treating yourself better. Today is a great day to get a little exercise. Today is a great day to eat some vegetables. Today is a great day to stay in bed and pull the covers up over your head. Today is a great day to look at what is working and what is not working in your life. Sometimes we can get so caught up with the daily grind and we do things day in and day out that just aren't in our best interests. That's natural. That's human nature. And it takes a lot to stop and turn around and look and say, hey, this is just not working for me. We don't have to fix everything all in one day, but we can pause. We can pause and maybe write down what we'd like to eliminate, and we can write down what we'd like to add into our lives. And we could put that on a sticky note and put it where you can see it. Eat a vegetable, take a walk, think of me. Join me on our next Zoom, our final Zoom of the season. 6 p.m. October 16th. Get the link on the website. Casey'sPlace.com. Our thought for the day is from Alice Walker, who said, Don't wait around for other people to be happy for you. Any happiness you get, you've got to make for yourself. Shine on.